You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at BB Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. We're talking safeties today. We've talked a lot about safeties recently because we've broken down uh, Talanoa Hufanga and we projected the roster a little bit. But uh, ESPN, if you missed the last few episodes Crocker and I have done, we've talked about the cornerback rankings that came from ESPN and uh, the defensive end edge rankings. And talked about you know where 49ers players were on these lists or not at all on these lists and if they deserved to be if there were snubs there. And again, I like referencing these rankings because this isn't, you know, one person's opinion at ESPN. This is them interviewing uh, 50 plus coaches, execs, players, scouts, and folks like that. You get a really good idea of how the league feels about players. So we'll talk about the safety rankings and if the 49ers again got snubbed on this position group and how they're perceived around the NFL. Croc, how's it going, man? Did you uh, did you take a look at these safety rankings? Do you have any any hot takes on on how the league views safeties around the NFL? I think one of the big things that's clear is if you were drafted high, that helps you quite a bit on any of these lists. Yeah, definitely if you're drafted high because you see a guy like Derwin James on here and he didn't play last yeah, year. Yeah, he hasn't played right, hardly so, at all in the NFL in, or, in short, two years. Like, yeah. right? It feels like. So, like, for him to be a top 10, which he is, like, healthy, if you're mm. just saying healthy and what you're projecting, then yes. But a guy that hasn't played in a couple years, he's missed at least a majority of it. It's tough to have him in the top 10. So that's one thing that kind of stood out to me right away. Yeah, and it's hard. And even with Nick Bosa, because I didn't think Nick Bosa is going to be a stud. And I think Durbin James has a chance to be a stud. But there's also a chance that that takes its toll, those injuries. And maybe they're not at the level they were before. And there's a chance of that with Bosa, and especially with Derwin James. And playing safety is even different than playing defensive line. If you start to lose some of that athleticism, and that was how he wowed you as a player was just how big and athletic he was. If he starts to lose some of that athleticism and hasn't played in a while, I mean, you know, you're throwing him in the top 10. He, we got to see him do it a little bit more, I think, in, in a lot of cases. But he's not at the top of the top 10. So let's go through this list, actually, top to bottom. Talk about the safeties. Talk about where 49ers players should be on it. Because, spoiler alert, there is none on this list. We talked about Verrett potentially being snubbed from the cornerbacks list yesterday. You can go back to that pod and check it out if you want. But it starts with Mika Fitzpatrick, Pittsburgh Steelers safety, number one. Justin Simmons from the Broncos is two. Buda Baker from the Cards, three. Jamal Adams, four. And Harrison Smith, five. Uh, I'll put Tyron Matthew in there at six because I think that's sort of the main top group of names that have been up there for a little while now, a couple years in the NFL. And none of those names are surprising. Croc, when you look at that list and look at those top six names, do you think that's pretty consensus? Do you feel pretty strong that, that they got that right at the top? Yeah, and I know there's a lot of people that probably have some pushback on Jamal Adams, but Jamal Adams, I mean, regardless of the <laughs> the coverage issues that he tends to have, drop my other phone, but regardless of the coverage issues that he tends to have at times, he still is uh, an X factor player, right? Like that's Madden terms right there, right? Like a, a player who, at the very least, I mean, I think he led the team in sacks last year. He's forcing t- turnovers. Like he's an impact player, you know, in that sense. So, like, I mean, a lot of the things that he's doing on the field, I get it, the the issues that people have with him in coverage. But just as an impact player on the field, I think he does a really good job. I think that's one player that will probably get a little 
pushback, you know, probably among uh, a lot of fans. Yeah, I think you could probably learn a lot about how you view players depending on how you view Jamal Adams because he's absolutely a difference maker and it's almost like it doesn't matter what the letter is next to his name uh, when you talk about what position he plays you know he's more of a box player but he can cover a little bit he's not a complete liability in coverage for what he's asked to do and he impacts the game in so many other ways and you just see how instinctive he plays and he's moving before the ball's even snapped I've always loved that about Jamal Adams I think he's a culture changing type of player he's the type of player you want on your defense uh, so for that reason, I have no problem with Jamal Adams being in the top five of these rankings, even though he's much different than some other players that might be a lot better in coverage and that you'd want to play the deep middle of the field. And that's very different. And in some cases, it's like there's a lot of positionless stuff going on. But in some cases, it's like, man, uh, half of the safeties in the league are going in this direction and they're more cover oriented and come down and, and cover guys in the slot. And they're more like cornerbacks or need that deep speed in center field and the other half of the safeties in the league are almost a hybrid with linebackers and going in the other direction. And so uh, it's, it's getting very confusing when you just talk about a safety, what kind of a player you're talking about. Yeah. A lot of these guys, especially, I mean, I lean towards coverage. So typically that's the guys that I look for first. So like Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, Buda Baker, like those would be like my top guys right away. I just think with, with their instincts that they play with, you know, like that's what I want from my safeties. You know, they're jumping routes, they're making plays. You know, I, and we'll get into Jimmy Ward and not being on this list, but you would like to see him maybe anticipate a little bit more. And again, it depends on what the coach is asking him to do. But those guys, I think, when it comes to like just pure cover skills, uh, taking the ball away, being impact players consistently, Mika and Buda Baker are two of the best at doing that, as well as having the coverage ability, unlike, you know, uh, 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 Jamal Adams. And then another guy who's not on this list, Eddie Jackson. You know, he's a guy who I think last year he didn't have maybe the takeaway numbers that people would like to see, but consistently he's been a terrific safety that's made a ton of plays. Felt like two years ago, every week I was watching the game, he was running into the end zone with the ball. So he's another guy like I, I like safeties. Like I need you to make some type of plays. And I think he not only gives you the playmaking ability, but the coverage skills, like pure coverage skills as well. Yeah, for Jimmy, he was a first-round pick. He makes a nice little bit of money. I believe he is in the – he might have fallen out of the top 10 safeties per year at around $9.5 million, I think he's making. But he's right around top 10 safety as far as what he's paid um, as far as NFL safeties goes. Uh, but he doesn't have a lot of the stats to go with it. So th those are those are two of the biggest factors, too. Stats, primetime games. Uh, he was hurt a lot earlier in his career, so he didn't get a lot of the early career traction at safety, which helps a lot of these other guys on the list. Um, we haven't talked about the other names yet in the top ten. Kevin Bayard from Tennessee. John Johnson from Cleveland. Derwin James, we mentioned at number nine. And then Jesse Bates, who's a really underrated player for the Cincinnati Bengals. Jesse Bates the third comes in and rounds out the top ten. So, yeah, no Jimmy Ward in the top 10, would you put Jimmy Ward over any of those names in the top 10 on your list personally, Croc? Yeah, I, I would just, but, but I watch a ton of the 49ers and I understand like the responsibility they put on him from a coverage standpoint and what he's asked to do. And then when you hear him talk about like, you know, maybe Salah asking him to play things a little bit more honest and safe, maybe that leading to him not having the takeaways of some of the other guys, you know, you can understand why maybe He's not getting the takeaways, but when you look at this list, a lot of these guys, that's what they do. They, they make impact plays, and we just have not seen that from Jimmy Ward really throughout his entire career. And we're not just talking about over a two- or three-year 
period. I mean, we're talking about his entire career where he's like pushing 30 years old and he hasn't been a guy to take away uh, the ball. And everyone else you see on this list, they've made impact plays. He's the only guy that doesn't. But it's tough because I value coverage skills more than anything. And he's probably one of the mm-hmm. best pure man coverage safeties in the league. But, you know, when you're out there playing zone and depending on what you're asked to do, I think that can make it a little bit more difficult to be on a list like this. Everybody on here on this list makes plays. Uh, John Johnson, remember him picking off Garoppolo in, in games against the Rams? I mean, like, cause, you know, John Johnson, obviously he's on Cleveland now. He's a free agent. That was one of the guys that right. the Rams weren't able to retain in that secondary. And they were like, oh, man, everybody's going to love John Johnson when he hits the market. But all these other guys, man, like Kevin Byard, I mean, he there was a season he had, what, eight interceptions, seven, eight interceptions. Now, there is another safety. Let me see. I don't, I don't see him, not even in the honorable mention. But the safety from the Vikings, Harris, not not Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris, Harris. yeah, Anthony Harris. Yeah. He's not here, and he's someone that has been able to take the ball away. So I'm pretty sure Viking fans would probably argue that he's being snubbed and not even being mentioned. Like Landon Collins, like yeah, you know, to have him honorable mention, but not Jimmy Ward, not Harris, who took the ball away a ton. Like that's interesting. Like Landon Collins is a linebacker. We've talked about Jamal Adams a little bit, but Landon Tom- Collins even takes that. A- further right or am i am i wrong on him like i i just that one feels a little bit off so here's the names yeah. that the other the other safeties that receive votes that were honorable mentions here eddie jackson uh darnell savage marcus may marcus williams who's on the franchise tag right now will be a free agent this offseason antoine winfield jr the rookie last year who was really good and then landon collins so yeah to, for jimmy ward not to See, be amongst those I names issue. is I, I have an issue with that like you winfield played he played very well i like him but are we riding the hype a little bit of Tampa Bay going to the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl, him being the starting safety of that team? Are we riding that hype a little bit? Maybe his name because of his father, you know, but to not have a guy like Harris who has been solid, right, who has made plays, we've seen that. I mean, not have Jimmy Ward who, you know, he's getting paid top 10 safety money. So obviously he's doing something right. And then when you watch the games, he stands out as somebody who – is really good in coverage, especially with what the 49ers ask him to do. And instead of, you know, I mean, you, you got Antoine Winfield over, over him. And that's just, that's, that's tough for me because we haven't seen it enough. For me in any list, unless he's just like, maybe has like a, a Nick Bosa rookie year, it's hard for me to put a rookie top 10 anything. Even like Justin Jefferson, I'd have a hard time like feeling really confident with Justin Jefferson being a top 10 receiver because I was like, is it sustainable what he did? That's what's tough about Derwin James is he did kind of have that Bosa-like rookie season, but that's kind of all he's had. And so you're still projecting out that same guy. Is he still going to be that same guy? But at least you saw a level that was like, wow, okay, this guy's really good. And, um, you know, and, and he's still not top five on this list. Right. But. I mean, but, but, and even then, not to cut you off, but his season, like, was a special season, you know? Right. So when you look at Winfield and what he did, I didn't think special when I saw Winfield's season. But Derwin James, it was like special rookie year. So, I mean, (laughs) obviously he's still kind of holding on to that because of uh, him being on his list. But I don't know. It's still interesting that they have him that high. There was some questions about top safety tandems in the NFL. I want to ask you that next as it pertains to the 49ers and a couple of snubs from this list. We haven't talked about Jaquaski Tart yet. And then get into some of these mailbag questions coming up on Locked on 49ers. 
I'd like to take a moment here to tell you about Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And then when I say all your sports, everything Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, playoffs, super fun, even more fun when you've got a little bit of extra action on those games UFC, MMA, celebrity boxing, golf, everything you could imagine betting on, they've got available. They've got lines on it at Bet Online. You've got some futures bets when it comes to NFL teams. Over under win totals on your favorite team. Rookie of the year, MVP, and Super Bowl champion. So uh, before you do anything else, head over to Bet Online. Your laptop, mobile device, your desktop computer. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game Get your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit using promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So I don't have a list of safety tandems in front of me, and I'm not going to ask you, Croc, to just list off who you know who the best safety tandems are in the NFL. But here's the thing, and this is maybe more of a more indicative of how good safety play is across the NFL or how many good safeties there are currently in the NFL that Jimmy Ward doesn't make that list and Jaquaski Tart doesn't even sniff that list. But I saw a thing about best safety tandems in the NFL recently, and, and a lot of people were talking about Tart and, and Ward being up there. Like, th- that's not a problem for the 49ers, right? When Tart and Ward are healthy, they got a good safety group, but they're not listed as the top tandem safeties in the NFL, and neither one of them is, is on the top you know, 15 or so safeties according to execs and, and players and scouts and coaches around the NFL. So how much should teams be putting into the safety position when there's seemingly so many good ones, right? Because I mean, I don't know, would you, would you, where would you rank the 49ers safety tandem amongst the league? Like just, just right offhand and you don't have to be exact with the number, but are they near the top for you? Are they just good or are they great? What do you think about these guys? They would have to be on there to some extent when they're healthy. And maybe that's the issue when they're healthy, right? I mean, those are guys who, when they're on the field together, they are extremely sound. I think they're very versatile. I think they both cover very well. Obviously, Tart doesn't cover as well as Ward, and he's not going to be asked to do the same things. But with what he's asked to do, I think he plays extremely well. He fires out. I mean, he's a short tackler around the line of scrimmage. He anticipates well when underneath coverage. And obviously, Jimmy Ward, what he does. I think the safety tandem that – and none of these guys were mentioned in the top ten, but the guys from the Bills, they're good. Poyer and, and, and Hyde. And they weren't uh, they weren't mentioned. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah Poyer and Hyde, um, and then Quandre Diggs not listed at all on there. I think him combined with Jamal Adams is a nice combo there in Seattle. It used to be Adams and May as the combo with the New York Jets. Um, just uh, you know, the 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 New Orleans Saints have three safeties if you count C.J. Gardner Johnson, who I think is awesome, along with Malcolm Jenkins, Jenkins and uh, and Marcus Williams. So they've got you know the triplets at safety there. Um, but the 49ers tandem probably deserved to be in that conversation after some of those guys. Juan Thornhill, I know you like him a lot with Tyron Matthew there in Kansas City. But, you know, right in there. Like, the 49ers have a solid tandem, but you don't put either one of them in the top 10. So it's it's pretty interesting um, the way that you – and I, I would almost – I mean – their job description is in the name of the position, right? Safety. It's it's almost like offensive line where it's like, okay, cool, you've got the best tackles in the league, but are you awful on the interior of an offensive line? Because you're still going to be screwed, right? And I think with safety, it's like, just be good at both spots. That's all you need, right? Yeah, and I think the 49ers are, are good at both spots. 
think they do a, a, an exceptional job. I, I think the biggest issue on why we're not hearing anything about two safeties that the 49ers have is they just don't take the ball away. And I think the league execs, I mean, defensive coordinators, if you ask them, they put a premium on being able to force takeaways and get turnovers. And the 49ers safety is just not, they haven't done that. You know, I mean, we've seen like an instance, right, where uh, Jaquiski Tart took the ball away from DK Metcalf. But yeah, aside from that, when, when is the last time that he forced a takeaway other than that? I mean, the interception against the Panthers in 2017? God, you got a good memory because I was just trying to think. I was like, man, I can't think of many impact plays that they've made, like big time takeaways or anything like that. And well documented that Jimmy Ward doesn't have a lot of takeaways, but um, yeah, Tart either. So while they're solid, not a lot of big plays. And it is nice when you can have a player back there that's just going to give you the ball back and give the ball back to your offense and that you can lean on to do extra even more than you would expect a normal safety to be able to do. So uh, I think that's what we're looking at with this, and I'm sure that's why those names aren't on the list. Let's get into the mailbag here. There's a question here from Tim. He says, where's Jalen Hurd? Haven't seen or heard anything about his recovery or his return. Uh, Croc, have you seen any? He was working out on the side during OTAs, right? So he just kind of rehabbing on the side. That's that's about all we have. Yeah, and I think that's all you're going to hear until training camp. And we'll see how they ramp him or get him kind of tied into everything once training camp comes. It's tough because we don't know with those kinds of things. Like, is he just right on schedule? And they're just like, yeah, no, he's cool. We're not going to push him too hard. He's going to be on the side. Then day one training camp, he's ready. Or is it a situation where he's going to be put on the pup list? It's like, oh, is he ever going to come back? So uh, I don't know. I don't have a lot of answers there. I just know that he is working out on the side. And so um, nothing bad. Has, there no more setbacks or anything like that that we've heard. So that's hopefully a good sign. It would be fun to see Jalen Hurd out there, though, man. Uh, just like, And he didn't show. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Literally two plays, right? He made two plays in a preseason game two seasons ago, and he was a third-round pick who was a big physical guy who made two plays in the preseason game against, you know, this is fourth quarter preseason stuff too. These are, these are scrubs that he's going up against. So much hype and so much um, excitement was built up by Jalen Hurd just from those few plays. So um, that's a fascinating one to me, and I don't know at all what to expect about Jalen Hurd, even when his rehab's over and he's full go and he's 100% again. I, I just have no idea what to expect from him. Like, do, do you buy into the hype with Jalen Hurd? Because at this point, it's like he's almost like a, a mythical creature. Yeah, you know, I, I think those two plays were just enough for him to, like, not just hold on to a spot, for, but for people that just have this hope, yeah. right? This, this hope that this guy's going to come back and be what he was in those two plays, really three plays because there was a screen play that he, uh, you know, he, he caught a screen pass in that game as well and got upfield and he saw some nimbleness and mm -hmm. some shiftiness in his big frame. So, man, I, I think he just did it just enough, but – I mean, shoot, we talked about Derwin James. At least, you know, Derwin James, who has missed the last couple of years, we at least saw him, like, be special over a year. Jalen Hurd is like, oh, man, we'll see. But I think there are a lot of people counting them out, and this kind of reminded me of when Jimmy Ward was going through his injury issues. I remember messi messaging Jimmy Ward. He didn't respond, but I remember messaging him and just saying, like, I, you know, I see how everyone talks about you, and, you know, I, I know that these injury issues are just, like, bad luck. But just know, you know, I'm rooting for you, and I feel like you'll make it through this these these issues that you're kind of going through right now. It's just some adversity. And I think the same could be said for Jalen Hurd. You know, like, bad luck. And you through hard work, you can you can overcome it 
But you you really have to want it. And I think that's what they got to find out about Jalen Hurd. How much does he want to overcome these issues? Or is he just content with just, you know, the situation that he's been going through? Yeah, and that's tough. You have to be really mentally tough. And it's easy for us to say, ah, whatever, rehab and come back from it. I, I've rehabbed from like some minor stuff. And it's not fun. It's like, I, it, but, you know, your career is defined by it and it's riding on that stuff. And you have to be mentally tough. And, and we really just, you know, we act like it's the easiest thing ever for that kind of thing to happen. And it's, it's really not, I don't know. And Croc, cause you talk about how you've never really had any major, what's the most major injury you've had to come back from. Oh, I broke my jaw, I broke my jaw going into my senior year of spring ball or in spring ball. I think that was the worst thing I dealt with jaw wire shut for about five weeks. That was tough. So the rehab for that was just, you had to talk a lot, which which is probably easy for you, right? It was just jaw wired shut. And the craziest thing is I, I had to blend up everything. So I tried to, I had, first I thought it was going to be cool. Like, okay, just make your milkshakes every day, blend up some stuff, drink some insures, which I heard Kanye West say that on the song when he talked about his jaw being wired shut. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did that. And I mean, after a week, I mean, I was starving. I was dropping weight. Like, I mean, going from 190 something to like, I dropped to like 168. I mean, it was bad. Oh, wow. And um, I had to start blending up anything that I could find. And so, I mean, I, I tried a bunch of different combinations, some that you guys don't even want to hear. Ooh, like cheeseburgers eventually and stuff? I, yeah, eventually I settled in on mac and cheese, chili, and milk. And I would blend that up and try to drink that. I have like a little gap over here. And I would drink that through a little, a little gap that I have. It was tough. I mean, I wouldn't wish that on my worst oh, enemy. A broken jaw is it's the worst. That sounds terrible. Yeah. So then once you get your jaw unwired and you're lighter, then you got to go crazy with protein shakes, right? And, and work out and get back there. So that I, I didn't think at first when you said broken jaw, I thought, oh, well, that's not really the same as rehabbing, you know, an ACL, whatever. But there's probably a ton of work involved there. Yeah, I had to build back up. I mean, I, I think once it was all said and done, I started to gain, excuse me, I started to gain a little bit of weight. I think I went from 172 to 187 before the season. And I, I mean, that was probably the best I ever looked. I, I think I dropped and lost a lot of body fat and then I built up all muscle and mm -hmm. then I was all like ripped up and shredded. And that, that was the best I had ever looked. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So mental toughness is a, is a big part of it. So, um, and obviously being able to actually be healthy. If it's like, a, if your back's broken, you're, you're kind of screwed. Right. So that's the other thing. I have no idea. I, I've, did a radio show recently and uh, I put the over under for D Ford and Jalen Hurd at one snap, you know, like I have no idea. They could never play again. They could be huge third down contributors to the 49ers. I just, I have no idea what to expect to expect from either one of those guys. I've got a couple more questions here. I want to hit coming up. We'll finish up this episode of locked on 49ers with your questions. You know what I've learned about Built Bars, and you hear me say it probably all the time on this podcast, there's no bad time for a Built Bar. One of the best times is a road trip. Have one in your little bag. Have one in your glove box, whatever. It's a perfect snack. You have a long commute. Maybe you skip breakfast. Maybe you, you skip lunch. You need a snack, and you can feel good about it, and it tastes great. High in protein, low in sugar. That is the snack you want to grab. Nine original flavors like cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter is my favorite, and they're always filtering in specialty flavors. So go to Built.com and find out what kind of new flavors they've got for you. You can buy a box of one flavor or do a mix and match. 
even great for keto diets if you're trying to maintain, lose weight, only four or five grams of net carbs. So amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. You can't go wrong with a Built Bar if you go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. All right, here we go. This one from Jeff. He says, during the 2019 season, I remember hearing John Lynch say that he could tell early into the offseason that they could have a legitimate chance at a playoff push with that team. Is this just GM speak, or do you think you can go get that feeling of how good a team can be before the season starts? If so, then when do you think the players, coaches, GM, media will start buying into that narrative like that? OTAs, camp, preseason games, question mark. What do you think? I... I me personally, thinking back to 2019, obviously it's harder for me on the outside. I guess if you're around the team every day, you can tell. It's like, okay, in training camp, you can say, well, this is a lot different than we saw the last two years here. There's a lot more talent going on. For me, it was a couple of games into the season. You see them start to play really well and dominate up front, and you're like, oh, dude, this is something. Like It took me probably two games, and I was a full-on believer in 2019. It's like, oh, this team is legit, and they arrived. And when teams arrive in the NFL, they arrive quickly. You know, it took me probably a little bit longer. I, I could tell, obviously, at the 49ers, I mean, they were undefeated, right? They started off the season, what, 7-0, 8-0. I think it was the game against Arizona. Or maybe, no, 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 the Panthers. The Panthers game, when they just dis- dismantled the Panthers, a team that was supposed to really challenge the 49ers up front and was supposed to have their better defensive line at that time. That's where a lot of people were saying. And when they just handled them and, I mean, hung 51 points on that team, that was when I was like, okay, we're really working with something. Because the games before that, everything was like so up and down. Uh, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was up and down. The passing game in general was up and down. The defense was extremely steady. But I just wasn't 100% confident in the offense. And after the, the, the Panthers game, that was when it kind of all came together. And I was like, okay. And then they also, that was the first game Emmanuel Sanders played in. He played very, you know, he played well considering I think they didn't target him much, but he scored a touchdown right away, caught a couple passes. There were just things that were just extremely encouraging in that game. That's when I knew that the 49ers were really onto something. And then I think the other game was the Arizona Cardinals game on, on Halloween night where you could see Garoppolo really kind of developing a chemistry with Emmanuel Sanders. And just there was never a doubt in my mind that they were going to win that game. Once I started to feel like that, I was just like, all right, we're, we're cooking with something here. And I think that's what it might be for people just around the league in general. I, I don't think it's a, oh, in, in, in training camp, we know. I mean, unless this team has just been good consistently, I think you have to wait to see, you know, uh, at least be like a quarter of the way through to kind of realize or feel like, you know what? I think this team is real. I think a lot of times people would feel even more confident making that uh, comment maybe halfway through. Yeah, I remember that Panthers game. Uh, I was there. That was just a, a it was a blowout. They boat raced the hell out of them, fifty one thirteen in that game. A few weeks before that, though, the Monday Night Football game against the Browns too, like just dominate them, start to finish, thirty one to three. They beat the Steelers, which is a good team. Before that, week two, they dropped forty one on the Bengals, and like the Bengals and Browns were not great teams at that point, but still, it was just like they were they were soundly beating everybody. And then remember that mud game in Washington where they won 9-0 and it was like, look, they only scored nine points, but Washington wasn't doing anything on them. And they're sliding around in the mud. We're like, this is fun. You can't mess with us. We're just going to completely blank you even though we're playing in these conditions. So it was like every week it was just like, oh, this team is legit. But I don't know if like, I guess if you're around a team, I, I, I believe 
John Lynch. And look, John Lynch is competitive and probably optimistic. So um, I don't know if you can fully believe him on that, but I'm sure that he could tell it was different sooner than we could, right? You could probably see that in training camp. Yeah, I mean, all coaches are typically optimistic, and they know what they were building towards, and yeah. they, they've seen the 49ers finish season strong, but you still have to kind of see it and really say, like, dang, like we are a dominant team, and how dominant they were defensively, I think that really helped speed up the, the process with that whole thing and the narrative that was kind of around the 49ers. Yeah. A couple more questions here. There was one about uh, undrafted free agents. This one is from Trevor. He says, are there any undrafted rookies worth paying attention to this year? Well, they only signed, what, four undrafted free agents, right? So it wasn't the undrafted class of, like, 2017 when they just have a completely gutted roster. It's guys like Brita and Mullins and um, – Kendrick Bourne and all these guys have this huge opportunity. There's not many guys that have an opportunity really at all as undrafted free agents in this class. I think um, uh, Austin Watkins, the wide receiver, that's maybe the biggest name I can think of. And, and he's got uh, a hill to climb too. And especially if you can't get off press from a fellow rookie, Diamador Lenore, from the one rep that I've seen of him in rookie minicamp. So, but uh, he was a player I liked and had a nice little senior bowl. So Austin Watkins is about the only name I can think of that's that I'd say that is uh, really worth paying attention to. Yeah, I mean, shoot, I don't even think I can name another undrafted <laughs> rookie. Well, they the only signed four. One summer. was a quarterback that is like, uh, who was it? It's the son of Doug Peterson. He's not going to make the team, you know. Uh, no, he's tight end. I'm sorry, tight end. Tight end. Yeah, tight end. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, you know, that's just like, a, hey, can you sign my son? Sure, no problem, buddy. Training camp fodder. I don't know who knows. Maybe um, that was it. Josh Peterson? No, that's a different person. <laughs> um, I don't remember who uh, the Peterson, uh, but Doug Peterson's kid at tight end is another one. But yeah, there's they only had dra- they signed four undrafted free agents. Crazy. So that that should tell you that this team is is pretty stacked. You only fit in four undrafted free agents. I think this year too, there was just a smaller class of rookies too. So there's probably less talent late in the draft, undrafted free agents than there usually is, and. On the flip side of that, I think next year's class could be a really big one as far as undrafted free agents and late-round picks. Yeah, they're going to have to, you know, I don't want to say overcompensate, but they're going to have to figure out a way to work around missing, you know, draft capital, high draft capital at that. Yeah. Um, I know they gained a third-round pick, and hopefully they get something for Jimmy Garoppolo because I can't think of a scenario where he is around next year. Yeah. That would be interesting. So, uh, But you're definitely going to have to figure out a way to – get some more young players and they've done very well, you know, being able to identify undrafted rookie for agents and figure out different ways to utilize guys. So I, I could see a guy being able to come in maybe if he doesn't make the roster, but practice squad and they work to develop them from there. Yeah. That's been the strength of this front office is finding good late round picks and uh, finding gems in undrafted free agency that could make somewhat of an impact for the team. Uh, last one here. Let's go to, Nick, he says, do we want to see Jalen Moore at camp as a guard or a tackle? Also, how much improvement do we need to see from Charlie Warner? Uh, I'll, I'll answer the Charlie Warner one. I just need to see anything from Charlie Warner. We didn't see anything from him in his rookie year. And look, that was an odd offseason, so whatever. Um, I don't think he is going to be much of an impact player. I think at best he's a distant third behind Kittle and Dwelly, but the third tight end still needs to be around and 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 do some things. So uh, seeing anything from Charlie Warner, I think, will be better this year. He needs to improve across the board, I'm sure. Uh, Jalen Moore, we did the Jalen Moore breakdown last week or the week before. I can't remember. I see him as a guard. Croc, do you want to see him a little bit of tackle just to see? 
I, I like the at guard. Again, it's all the senior bowl reps, and he seems like he kind of fits that mode. So he has a tackle body, but I thought he looked good moving around that guard, and that'll probably give him a better opportunity because it seems like the depth or even just being like a swing guy, I think that'll really help him, just that versatility that he has. Absolutely. All right. Uh, good stuff. Croc, thanks, everybody, for your questions. We'll hit a few more tomorrow with Wink on another Winky Wednesday. Not sure how we're going to finish this week, but uh, we've got some vacations coming up for both Croc and I, but we're still going to come at you at least four days a week in the next two weeks, and then we're going to be at it with training camp on July 27th, Tuesday. Uh, we're going to project the entire 49ers roster over the course of the next two weeks as well, so we've got a lot coming at you right here, Lockdown 49ers.